Welcome to Silly Point, your weekly-ish musings on how rubbish the English are. At cricket. At cricket. Like, no, don't want to get ahead of myself. They're not rubbish at everything. Um, I'm Brendan Cummins. I'm joined by Michael Bate. Hello there. And Reese Meekins. Brendan, how are you? <laughs> well, how are you? You're you right. Mate, I am, that's never happened before. But I'm great. Thank you for asking. <laughs> and can I just say it's been a great week. You listened to your favourite UK performer at NIB yeah. Stadium on the weekend. Mike had a Japanese dinner earlier in the week. <laughs> I've been drinking Dutch beer and my Australian <laughs> share portfolio is going gangbusters. <laughs> what a week. It, was, it didn't feel like that was the way it was going, but... Um. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad that was good. That so, was good. How, good how sick of you of that ad are you going to get by the end of the the ashes? I mean, that question and the way you phrased it implies that we're not sick of it already. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Is it as bad as the Commonwealth ba- Commonwealth Bank ads? Because they're pretty bad. Yeah, with uh, Gordo. Gordo. Yeah. Gordo. <laughs> That's borderline racist. That ad, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is. Well, <clears throat> you would think. That, like, did, did we speak about this last week? That surely Ishan recognizes Gordon Winslow when Gordon <laughs> Winslow tells Ishan that his name is Gordon Winslow. Yeah. But it's he not doesn't like seem to, does he? Yeah. It's like, oh, fuck, it's Gordon and Winslow again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have to pretend that I went to high school with him again <laughs> to sell him some bank and accounts they, the, or whatever. And then the, the backup ad, they just make, they really make Gordon Winslow a real pleb in the in the. Yeah, the he's ad. a real so grumpy dude about, yeah. about charity it's, or something. Yeah, yeah. There's, some, there's some character development that I've missed mm. out on. Because he seems like he seems like he's having a good time in the first ad. Yeah, with there's a, probably a few more ads to come that'll give us yeah. a real insight into God. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't wait. <laughs> so, on a scale of one to or zero to Gordon Winslow, how do you rate England's performance in the second test? Oh, to Gordon Winslow. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we had. This was the test that was touted as the most winnable for England and seemingly, again, they showed up for part of a test match. Um, they showed up for about two sessions, yeah. two bowling mm. sessions, um, and then a little bit okay with the batting yesterday, but then this morning, same same England that, that so was in Brisbane. Was it roughly... Was it six for fifty-ish or seven for fifty-ish in today's? Uh, six for fifty-seven. Yep, yeah. that is correct. So really plebbed it up. Really, really jazzed it today. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, re- and and I don't know how you guys felt, but watching last night when the, the, there was a moment of like a, a little bit of worry. Well, my my allegiance is purely with Australia, so I'm not. Not pretending to, <laughs> to to be unbiased at all in this. Yeah, we're definitely was, lacking balance on this podcast. <laughs> I know. Maybe we do need an English an English person in here, or just someone to play devil's advocate. Okay, yeah, but there was a moment that I thought, if England win this test, they really it really felt like one of those ones that they didn't deserve to, because they would have won three sessions out of twelve that had been played. So it, it really didn't feel like they deserved to even get as close as what they did. But that the bowling performance in that 
evening session on uh, was it day four, day three, day three, day three. Yeah, was um, it was ridiculous. Yeah, um, we've had a lot of cracks at Jimmy Anderson on this podcast, yeah. and my opinion hasn't changed. <laughs> yeah. But when the conditions suit him, and they definitely suited him that night. He just had it on a string. It yeah. was unbelievable to see how much he was hooping that ball. And the Australian batsmen couldn't handle it, basically. Is it going to be a case of they'll just wheel Jimmy Anderson out for one day, night, test <laughs> every couple of years? Because it was crazy. Like he, And there was a, it wasn't like the other bowlers were doing that much with it. Mm. It, was, it was swinging for the other bowlers, but he was devastating. Yeah. Yeah, he was certainly in control. Broad was moving the ball a lot, but not putting it in dangerous areas. Anderson had supreme control and just, uh, Mike put it perfectly, that ball was on a string. And it's, it, it, it supports that, uh, that discussion we've had where Jimmy Anderson is really good in England in the conditions that suit him and not so good away. And they were, whilst they're not exactly English conditions, they're probably the best replication of that in Australia with the ping pong under lights. Absolutely. Yep. And I, I think that um, to to go to the Joe Root choosing to bowl first, which was obviously quite a controversial call, I think that first day on day in Adelaide was very cloudy and cold and rain around. It was, it was very English-like conditions. Yeah. And so he would have been thinking that James Anderson could have done what he did on that third evening on the first morning of the test. So we go back to that decision where Joe Root sends Australia in to bat. <clears throat> We're in the upside down. <laughs> England roll, they roll Australia in 50 overs, 60 overs, which is pretty quick test match, mm. test match standard. They're coming into bat under lights. Mm. Where it, presumably it's doing a lot. So I can't, do you want to? Do you have any ideas about? Like, I just feel that that was a bad decision to make under, even if it went the way they thought it was going to happen, it was going to put them in under a lot of pressure unless mm -hmm. they decided to let Nathan Lyon and Josh Hazelwood dink it around for a whole session <laughs> and and come out to bat the next day. Like, I don't, I don't see in what where where that was actually yeah. going to work out for them because surely you'd want to bat and then have batsmen in for that night yeah. session. It's not like a, a, a regular test match where you send them in on a green top and balls hooping, you bowl them out in a session or session and a half and then you've probably got the best of the day to bat mm. after that or you'd hope to anyway. It, 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 the, the nighttime under lights thing really, it, it affects the test match so much and yeah, as you say, he, they would have been batting, going out to bat probably at that difficult time so would, would they have negated their advantage I think yeah. they probably would have. Yeah. yeah. So I think that to put it, I, I don't think that that was ever really going to work out for them at all bowling. Like it was just a bad decision to bowl. And there might be a little bit of Australia have played four test matches with the pink ball now and England have only played one mm -hmm. against West Indies, which you can basically scratch it because mm. they're not, they're not competitive with, yeah, that was a, an innings victory for England, yeah. putting on over 500 uh, in the only dig that they had. 
So it's certainly not representative of what we've seen with a pink ball in Australia. Australia yeah. yeah, not at all. Yeah. So there might be a little bit of inexperience with England on how that actually plays over. Mm. They might have got a bit carried away with this idea that the conditions, the bowling conditions would suit them. Yeah. Thought, yep, yeah, we're definitely going to The commentary them. about England are going to win yeah. Adelaide, they're mm. going to win Adelaide and it's going to be really easy for them. Yeah. That might have gone to their heads a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Mm. And look, certainly the pitch down at Adelaide the last couple of years has been a lot greener than what it was this season. And obviously you've got the opportunity to examine the pitch on the day and surely by all reports should have noted that it was relatively dry. Uh, but nonetheless, maybe that's played into it as well, that they've looked at the efforts that the curators have gone through to protect the pink ball and thought, okay, maybe we can expect something that's a little bit grassier mm-hmm. uh, and it's going to behave accordingly, plus the weather. Um, but I think, moreover, it is that weight of expectation that Root was probably psyched out a little bit by um, you know, probably needing to prove a bit of a point after Brisbane. There's been a lot of animosity and the expectation that maybe they'll do better. Has it, so, yeah, this, a lot of talk has come out about the way the um, behaviour is sorting to <laughs> deteriorate and the, the relationships are deteriorating a little bit. I don't necessarily think that's true. I don't think it's been as hostile as some Ashes yeah. series of past. There's certainly been some very, like, tame ones. And when Australia got spanked in 10-11 and a couple of years later there certainly wasn't a lot of bite in in those series mm. but on on the level of 2005 to, <laughs> to now like this is surely kind of like the india series a couple of years ago was a lot more heated than what this was and, oh definitely and, yeah so it, it all seems a bit petty really it seems a bit everyone's i i kind of feel like everyone's trying to play mind games in some weird way and they're all trying to like out mind game each other mm. so jimmy anderson writing a an article in a british newspaper about feeling like he was being bullied was his his mind game and then uh you know he's trying to get into smith's head on the field uh the johnny bairstow headbutt thing felt like a bit of a mind game like it, it just it's not nasty it's just kind of niggly and silly yeah. and yeah there is this like um Everybody ex- expects it to be nice, and but the razzing has been there. It's been there for a long time, and there's some, you know, there's a long history of classic razzes that go with cricket. There was one that I I heard during during the match that was that was quite funny. Tim Payne up at the stumps, and I can't remember who I said it was, but it's, I think it was Overton and, and Wokes, maybe? Wokes, yeah, yeah. Some, something like that, and then. Um, Nathan Lyons bowled a ball and they've they've hit it and a single's been saved and they've had to scurry back to get back into the crease and Payne said to whoever's on strike going, nah, mate, you don't want to go up the other end. You want to stay here. <laughs> Starks bowling the next <laughs> No, Which is kind of like harmless, but... Yeah, I mean, that's and, just, and the headbutting stuff seems a bit... I don't think there was any... Real, like you got to talk about something. You're out there for <laughs> nine hours a day, right? Yeah, this concept that that was a deliberate ploy raised at a very specific time, right near a microphone, <laughs> to me is just fanciful. Yeah, 
And to think that like Dave Warner is masterminded anything is <laughs> <laughs> he, can, he can barely turn his OLED TV on to watch his cartoons. <laughs> <I mean. laughs> so like to to think it's this sophisticated ploy that that's only existed in this series is like no, there's there's some history there. It, yeah. Like Dave Warner doesn't seem like the uh, the smartest fella in. In the team, no, no. but I, he's I don't not know. got the heaviest head. head yeah. no. sure. <laughs> I reckon he'd be up there though. He looks like he'd have a fair density. I don't, I'm not just saying that that's full of much, but we we were just reading. Uh, there was a Sydney Morning Herald article about, or at least a, a snippet of an article uh, about the Cameron Bancroft heaviest head in WA. Sorry, WA cricket, not WA. That's not that hasn't been measured. The heaviest head in WA. <laughs> no, uh, can we? Do we need to get like a, a little intro for this segment <laughs> week in week out? Like Bancroft little, head watch. Yeah, sure. Paul Schaefer theme song going on. Um, so, how they measured that? We were speculating it could be phrenology or <laughs> some some other method. Uh, apparently, the WA lads. Took it upon themselves. They weren't asked to by the physios or the, the sports scientists or the team doctor or anything. Uh, they got a set of scales. I'm not sure if they were, you know, bathroom scales or <laughs> kitchen scales. What they were calibrated <laughs> against. Uh, and they've all laid down and rested their heads on the scales, <laughs> taken the measurement and used that as the, the method of, uh, of, of head weight. And they've told the WA team doctor this and he's gone, lads, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so that's yeah, how they got connected the to your body, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think. <laughs> is the, uh... So in case anybody was wondering, that cleared that <laughs> mystery up. But everybody was quite happy to, to say that Cam had the, had the biggest head in the, the Warriors camp. Yeah, Mitch Marsh described it as a monstrous head. <laughs> and he's just been recalled back into the squad. So, <laughs> Does that mean that Mitch has the second biggest head? Or? I don't know. I'd have to see the, the, the spreadsheet yeah. they've created. <laughs> so we had, we, we had Sean Marsh score a uh, tunned up in the first innings. Yep. Speaking uh, of WA heads, yeah. cool WA heads. Probably. He looks like he's got a bit of a pinhead though, really. He's yeah. Not, it's not a giant head. Yeah, but that's just because he has such enormous shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> Huge, muscular shoulders. How did you rate that, that hundred of Sean Marsh's? Uh, very good knock. Very good knock. He looked great. He looked in control. Um, pretty chanceless. Can't remember too many. Can you remember any chances of him? Uh, well, there was a, a couple of little minor LBW shouts. There was obviously the DRS overturned. Of course, um, yeah. And there might have been one that squirted through the slips. But other than that, he looked really good. He was mm. driving well. He was playing the pull shot magnificently. Oh, those those pull shots were phenomenal to get that level of height right up on the toes and roll the wrists over yeah. it. Amazing. How many, how many innings does that buy Sean Marsh now? Because hundred, because we, <laughs> we have this. It seems it's a constant debate. He comes in, he he scores classy runs, and then everybody seems to forget, hmm. and then he just or he gets injured or he gets he's out for a while, yeah. and yeah. So yeah, it was a lot of discussion during the Test match on whether he was dropped for form or dropped for injuries, and it quite often seemed that when he got 
you know, he was in good form, he injured himself, and then when he was ready to be recalled, he had bad form. And mm. But I, I think he's there now until he... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Till the end of the till the end of the series, and then not sure where they're going next. Uh, where they're touring next? I think it's South Africa. Oh, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, so that'll be a late a late summer. Yeah. Mm. And you think that that yep. should favour him? Yeah, that that yeah. sort of. Yeah, he's made runs there before. I yep. think his highest score is in. It is. It's one hundred and eighty. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, something like that. So, yeah, he should be safe for. a for another series and then we'll see what happens after that if yeah. he doesn't perform and the backlash starts up again. Was he one of the players that had that was involved in the homework gate? No. No, no he did his homework. He's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> He's a good, good Wes, uh, Wesley, Wesley boarding student, so he would have done his homework all right. For international listeners, Wesley is a private boys' school here in WA. So that would have been... Well, I assume they would have jagged him on some sort of scholarship, but that's oh, yeah. probably... If he was boarding, he would have been, I don't know, $20,000 Australian dollars a year in school fees. So he would have been doing his homework, surely. <laughs> Otherwise, he knew if he didn't do his homework, it was back to the farm. <laughs> back to the duck farm. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got... Interestingly, and I think you might have prepared some stats on this, but oh, thank you, of, Brendan. <laughs> well, we, we we had a lot of a few DRS decisions. The ones you thought weren't out were out, and ones that you thought were out, but it, yeah. I don't know. Just so like, just seemed to be. It was an interesting sort of uh, couple of days for DRS, really. Like the Sean Marsh one looked. Absolutely plum live. Uh, there was a Tim Payne one that yeah. was given not long after that yeah. also looked pretty yeah. plum. Just, yeah. just when you thought you couldn't get more plum than the Sean yeah. Marsh one, Tim Payne was Tim about Payne 30 centimetres further back in the crease <laughs> yeah. and hit only marginally higher. But the, the ball tracking showed it going significantly over the stumps. So so there's, been, there's a little bit of scuttlebutt going around today that the company managing the DRS uh, ball tracking technology is not Hawkeye this time around, that it's a different company Ooh. and that they possibly don't have access to the same amount of data um, and they're able to tweak it quite as accurately as what Hawkeye can. Mm. But the counter to that was, um, I don't know if anyone else was skiving off work at about 11 o'clock <laughs> Western Standard Time this morning. <laughs> uh, but Channel 9 did show uh, a pitch map with some of these decisions. And they did show a delivery bold last night um, that beat the bat, sailed over the top of the stumps, and was pitched fuller than both the Payne uh, and Marsh um, LBWs that were overturned on DRS. So what looked to the naked eye like something that was plumb... Um, when you actually map it out, maybe the pitch just had a bit more bite in it than what we were really expecting. Mm -hmm. There are some other factors that come into, given that they were both LBWs, right? Yep. Um, for from spinners, or were they, uh, those no, ones were both quicks. off, off okay. the quicks. Yeah, yeah. Were so, they and both that was Jimmy Anderson, or I, can't I think one might have been Wokes. So yeah. I think there's a lot of you, to couple those ideas together. You need to look at release points and yeah pace and all of these these other things but if you if you're looking at whether the technology is right or not i think you're um clutching it 
oh yeah, yeah. I, I've got no idea what's going on I'm yeah, just going to yeah. trust that, <laughs> the, yeah. that that path and you would expect that if it's been um, approved by Cricket Australia which surely has to be approved by ECB and hmm. the ICC hmm. yeah. that it's got to be kosher right yeah. yeah and certainly that Sean Marsh one um, the the square on camera looked a lot more favourable to the batsman than what the front-on one did. Yeah. Uh, so it did seem to rear up quite sharply. Um, and obviously we have the benefit of the replays and the on-field umpire doesn't. Uh, but that seemed to justify the technology a little bit. Mm. Yeah. The other th- all of those, like we have those hit them, hit them below the knee roll or above the knee roll. I, I have a sneaking suspicion now that athletes are a little bit taller than what they were. <laughs> in the 80s and the 90s like they yeah. just generally feels to me that they're yeah a taller batsman yeah. than, mm. than what they were yeah so those rules so, of thumb no longer really apply. apply yeah and i think the drs affects the way umpires umpire now i think they can they know they've got the the technology to kind of fall back on a little bit so and that umpire's mm. call the way the umpire's call works now as well also backs them mm where you don't feel you're going to get as much heat if it goes the other way because... Mm. And look, certainly there was the, uh, the Ali dismissal today, which was uh, reviewed by Ali unsuccessfully. So LBW to Nathan Lyon. Um, it was umpire's call for whether it uh, pitched in line and then umpire's call as to whether it hit him in line as well. And certainly to the naked eye, it looked very, very close. If not impact outside the line da took quite a long time to consider that decision but i think you're right brendan that he looks at it and goes gee it's line ball um ali has an opportunity to review it if he wants to and the technology will back me if it is a a a line ball decision shouldn't we it's it just seems like we're going to get to this point where they should almost review everything like yeah, it should like automatically <laughs> review, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah you, you look at that and wonder where that tipping point is for some of these, particularly for the LBWs. Um, mm. You think, yeah, is it, is why, it worth just throwing them all up? And why is, it okay for, why is it okay for runouts where they seem to have just gone like, the umpires don't make a decision now. Mm. Yep. 99 yeah. times them out of 100, they just refer it. Yeah. And yep. look, they can be in by a foot. They just, mm. they just refer it. Mm. Yeah. I guess, I guess you want to keep some things in the umpire's hands. Otherwise, yeah. it's kind of why even have them out there except to stand between Steve Smith and James Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think there should just be this thing of going like, it's very close, I want to check whether it's hit him outside the line and then you don't have to go through the whole, has, have they nicked it, is it a no ball? And it can be a, it can be a quicker process. But I think mm. there is like this time that's taken into building the ball tracking model i think that's why they have that yeah yeah and I, I i have a sneaking suspicion that that's why they don't allow you to have unlimited reviews because it takes them a couple of minutes to build that rock and rolling the footage, <laughs> footage for yeah, five and, minutes. and you see them and they they're they've obviously got a tv producer in there with mm. them going like it's not ready Reshow this, reshow, yeah. zoom in on this. Yeah, because you you watch them sometimes and you're like, why are they checking that? It yeah. you, you <laughs> yeah. can tell. There's the balls like two inches away from the bat, but they're rocking and rolling this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 you have 
people who don't watch cricket a lot going like, why are they? Che- why don't they just check this bit, which is what the question is about? Why don't they check that first? Because mm. if that's mm. not the case, I think the order is a. De- has developed because of the technology. Snicko's yeah. been around for a lot longer, so they've developed it so it can happen quickly. Hotspot's been around a while, so they can develop it quickly. And yeah. Hawkeye mm. is still a little bit away from it being almost instantaneous. But mm. when the, when we do get there, they really probably should. It should be a little bit, should streamline it a little bit more and you can review it mm. a lot quicker. And there is this trend of having, like doing it, all the time mm. for well in, in all spots there's there's going to be video referees in almost everything yeah, yeah we well, certainly when you're looking at um at rugby league and american football basically every every scoring opportunity is reviewed yeah isn't every goal in the afl reviewed Re- yeah it's automatically looked, yeah, reviewed yeah. they don't yeah. they don't broadcast it mm. but um goal line decisions in um Football, soccer now reviewed. Um, so we, we're going to get to that point and you understand now why they don't do it. But hmm. we're they, definitely, we've definitely got to get there because it's... Yeah. If and this they idea did, that, Stuart Broad would be reviewing all the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he didn't review today. Yeah, he walked. He walked, yeah, he walked. which was nice to see. Yeah. Nice of the lad to do it. Um, but did you have some stats about the Oh, thank you. Like we set you up for something. Thank you, Michael. Uh, I, I do have some numbers here. <laughs> uh, just uh, there's a real perception that the umpires had a howler, uh, and the the real question is what like what constitutes a bad bad game when you have the opportunity to review the decisions. So there were seven instances where the review was upheld. So the batsman, uh, for argument's sake, was given out. And then um, it was overturned. There were seven instances where the review upheld the umpire's decision. And then there were three instances where it was umpire's call. Mm -hmm. So you're sort of looking at going, well, 50% of the time they... 50% of the time it was reviewed, they definitely got it right. Um, And in fact, 10 out of 7 times they either definitely or probably... 10 out of 17, sorry. They either definitely or probably got it right. Mm -hmm. So they're getting it right more than they're getting it wrong. That doesn't include the non-decisions. Doesn't include the non-decisions, of course. Um, And then you do have those ones that we've spoken about, like the pain and the marsh ones, where you think, gee, that anyone would have given that out. So you sort of look at it and go, well, yeah, they had a few overturned, but was it really that bad? And I think the other thing is the the umpire's call makes it very difficult as well, where that Moeen Ali one today was so line ball that you can understand people being incensed by it, and yet the technology just backs the umpire mm. up. But to the naked eye, you think, gee, that's a tough one. Um, Steve Smith got a tough one as well in the second dig. He got a pretty, pretty yep. close umpire's call as well. Yep. Um, but I think you... I think you just kind of accept those umpires call ones now because you don't lose the review. Yeah, yeah. That's the other important thing to remember is that 12 months ago, all of those umpires calls would have lost reviews. Yeah. So So we wouldn't have, there wouldn't have been the opportunity to continue to keep reviewing. So we're, you're automatically creating this feeling that they're, if you've got more opportunity to review, so mm. you've got the opportunity to prove mm. the umpires made a mistake yeah. more often than yep. what we have in the past. And it, it 
you can you can feel a bit safer reviewing because it, if if it is umpire's call, you you're not burning the review for everybody else. So yeah, yep. you feel safer reviewing those close ones because I think Kawaja and Smith both re- reviewed and were both out on umpire's call. Yep, um, and following along on the on Crick Info. Uh, people were wondering why Australia still had reviews today because mm. they didn't realise that the, the laws had changed. Yeah. Yeah. Umpire's call. Umpire's call. <laughs> Although I think just on that still fascinates me that one delivery can have two possible outcomes. So depending on whether the umpire gives it out or not, yeah. then yeah. determines your fate, which is I like the idea that the technology supports the umpire. But it's also a bit of an anomaly that, depending on whether the finger went up or not, is ultimately going to yeah. dictate your fate. And we will get to that point. You talk about it in the context of tennis, where you just have to nick the line or you yep. just miss the line. And they, they talked within a millimetre yep. accuracy. Why have we got this half a ball, roughly? Yeah. Like, it's the same kind of sport, yep. similar, ball rackets lines do you know why is it half a ball or roughly thereabouts for cricket well it's not anymore right can you it's, it's less I yeah think. Do you, oh. how much of the ball has to hit the wickets for it to be given out it used to be 50 percent, but yeah. i think mm. it's less now mm. i think can't remember. Can't remember the measurements. Yeah. Well, that was that was that was to do with the umpire's call and how you would lose your reviews. So I don't know yeah. if that is necessarily supported anymore. But surely the technology, if it's good enough in tennis to say within a millimeter that it's in or out, mm-hmm. surely in cricket it's the same. Yeah. Although I suppose the difference there is that in tennis um, they are actually tracking the movement of the ball right to its completion yeah whereas obviously in cricket you are extrapolating so perhaps that's why they need to build in that natural error that will occur with extrapolation yeah that's a good point yeah it's got real mathsy real quick yeah got real heavy can we can we take it back, back <laughs> down a, notch? a little bit can we get back on board the pain train <laughs> <laughs> can we ever so we basically we, we did have a series of predictions a couple of podcasts ago and we basically nailed them all. So um, what, what are the predictions for the, for the Perth test? What's what, maybe not even looking forward to the Perth test. What have you, what do you see in the immediate future prior to the Perth test? What are the developments that we're likely to see? Match saving 50 from Sean Marsh. <laughs> um Jeez. Is there going to be much of a... Do we do we think... Because the Stokes... We've had Stokes has played a game for Canterbury. Yep. God, what a game too. Yeah. Yep. She made what, an impact. Two runs. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> and none, none, none for 49 off yeah. nine. Yeah. So surely that story arc is almost run its course. Because mm. once it's post-Perth, he's not coming back, right? Yeah, you wouldn't think so. Um, he, he's. They're talking he'll be back for the ODIs, which... Who cares by that point? You yeah. Know? Um, but it all, I guess it depends what happens, whether he gets charged anytime soon or it all seems a bit up in the air as far as Stokes goes. I think we can ignore him. 
So, so that yeah. one's done. <laughs> Headbutt gate. Headbutt gate. Well, is they're going to be back in Perth. And I'd love to get Cameron Bancroft <laughs> and Johnny yeah. Besto to come have a drink with us down at Clubber yeah. and just show us what happens. <laughs> yeah. We'll finally get the crime stoppers. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I was thinking about that, actually. They should do a crime stoppers. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to the bottom of it. Um, so that that's almost run it. So we're going to have this bullying, bully gate, Jimmy Anderson gate. Oh, there's got to be... I think the theme coming into this week is going to be beyond just sledging, but mental disintegration as, a, as an overarching theme. So you've got, obviously, a little bit of... Uh, interplay on the on the pitch particularly the Anderson and Smith exchange seemed to get a little bit heated uh, obviously a bit of gamesmanship under lights by both sides with some um, some extraneous use of the physiotherapist <laughs> um, and then you've got question marks now over over Joe Root and his general level of confidence in himself and and in the team so Oh, in fact, even Steve Smith, um, the English are touting that they got inside his head. You know, he only made 40 runs uh, and he made what some people are, are marking as a, as a strange or a strange-ish decision with no consultation to not enforce the follow-on. So I think mental disintegration generally is going to be the theme that where are the English at with their confidence? There'll obviously be ongoing um, bits and pieces around the sledging and the general banter. Uh, and I think, was it Matt Pryor who came out this week and indicated that there is some sort of issue that the Australians are sledging the poms about that cannot be made public, but they're really getting in there. Ooh. It's deeply, it's personal. It's not an on-field thing. Uh, it's not a, an innocent Tim Payne remark about you don't want to face Mitchell Stark. <laughs> Pryor's sort of indicating that there's something that's very nasty that they're getting into and surely at some point that's going to get picked up on a stump mic. So there's, there's a lot going on. Do you on. trust anything that Pryor says? No, absolutely not. <laughs> uh, he's a mouth breather. And, yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's deeply personal because it's like you guys used to play with Matt Pryor. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, you know, it can't be made public because he doesn't want it to be made public. What's it like playing with a knob like Matt Pryor? To which you just reply, well, you played with Matthew Wade. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, I can't see. You you feel that... I hope that that's not the case because that sounds... You always like to think that there's nothing really nasty being said. Nobody wants anything that's that's horrible and nobody wants anything personal being brought up. Yeah, you just want it to be a bit of banter about the way everyone's playing and, you know. Mm. Yeah. And if it is, there's been some borderline calls in the past and people may or may not be aware of them, but they generally end up being quite funny in the end. So you hope that whatever it is, it's not really horrible and it's... It's all supposed to be tongue-in-cheek. And mm. Although allegations that uh, David Warner was sledged about his wife's uh, misconduct in a public restroom several years ago with a rugby league player. Yeah. So let's hope that uh, that didn't see the light of day. But I think the other question coming out is, and I guess back onto cricket, We've got this tour match for a couple of days coming up at Richardson Park. Beyond the speculation around Stokes, who plays in that tour match for for England? 
have they got anyone waiting in the woods <laughs> <laughs> who might be able to come out and take the, take the ball? Well, they'll come riding in on his imaginary horse. <laughs> yeah, he'll he'll play. I, I mean, I think that's what I've I've read that he they're going to have a look at him. Um, I guess some of the other batsmen that are on the tour, Gary Balance is apparently on this tour. <laughs> Gary Balance yeah. is on the tour. Wow. Uh, um, probably, probably you know Overton. You wouldn't think they'd play Broad and Anderson really because they mm. bowled a lot of overs. Give them, give them a rest. Um, there's, there's really not that much at that. There's not this second level of English player you're expecting to mm. to come no. up. They've kind of picked their best side, and they they sort of need. Other than Woods is kind of the one that's potentially in and out, depending yeah. on what the balance is. And as far as the batsmen go, they all kind of need time in the middle, really. So yeah. you wouldn't expect to see too many changes there, uh, except Gary Balance will hopefully play. <laughs> <laughs> um. But it will just be interesting to see what the makeup of their team is if they if they ring the changes for the Perth Test. Mm. Let's talk about Johnny Bairstow jumping up the order. Uh, maybe Ben Folks coming in to keep for him. But I think that uh, weakens their bowling because they'd have to drop a bowler probably mm. to, to incorporate. What do you him? think about potentially bringing someone like Joss Butler in? Well, where, where's Joss at? <laughs> Well, he, he was in the test team as a batsman not too long ago. He, yeah, it was so right. weird. He, he was batting at like seven mm. and just batting and Bairstow was keeping and batting at five or six or something. Mm. So I think if there's a lot of discussion of wh- where um, Bairstow should bat, should he bat at five? There's probably an argument to keep Moeen in the side and and push everybody up a little bit more and, and keep Moeen in there and... And um, bat have Joss Butler batting at seven. I don't think that that would ruin their balance too much, and you probably don't lose that much batting capability. Really, you probably your tail is probably a little bit longer, mm. but it's not like there's a lot of batsmen just throwing there. Yeah, once you're down to Broad and Anderson, that's kind of it for England, really. Um, Overton batted pretty well. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, Butler wouldn't be a, a, a horrible. I don't. Is he is he in the squad? I'm not really sure. I can't remember. Well, I don't. Maybe with the English Lions or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, you would expect that he'd be around the setup um, for the short form coming yeah. up. Yeah. So hopefully, for England's sake, if they're thinking about it, he's not too far off. Yeah, surely he'd be in the country at least. Mm. And <laughs> and that there is, um, you know. Bairstow did cop a knock on his fingers, so there may be a question mark over his ability to keep for for the next test because he did look in, uh, he looked in a little bit of strife there for yeah. a little while. Yeah, so. he popped a couple of pain pills and he looked a bit looked very ginger with that hand. He wasn't; mm. he was sort of taking the ball and then throwing it with the other hand and nursing the the hand that got hit. Yeah. So, yeah, he could he could maybe just be batting. So yeah. there there. That's probably one of the more likely changes is that Bairstow goes up. Um, I don't know if that is a smart one. <laughs> and uh, I don't think that they're getting much better by doing that, but there's sort of this feeling that they've got to give him, a, give him an opportunity to... Mm. to they've bat. got to do something. They're just... The batting just hasn't been good enough. They've got to shake it up somehow. The, mm. the obvious... You just... Moeen at seven is one of the best... Number seven batsman in the world. He used yeah. to open for the test. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but at six, he looked shaky. Mm. Yeah. 
but maybe he just looks shaky because he's got to face the bloody goat who's got his <laughs> number. <laughs> um, and he, he hasn't really done much with the ball either, which is a, why there's a, probably a little bit more discussion on moving Bairstow further up the order than six. Yeah. Um, so th- that's, that's definitely going to be a space to watch in the next week. Oh, show. And yeah, bring, bring Marky into the, into the lineup. Needs a, Woke, Woke's probably hasn't done enough to, um, well, it's like they win the test matches and he, and, and you look at his, at what he's done and he's probably done enough, but you can't drop anybody else. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. You can't drop Overton, uh, on debut, he did very well and he yeah. batted very well. Um, Works took that forfer, but again, in conditions that favour his style of bowling, it's not going to be like that in Perth. So yeah, no, I think he would str- probably struggle in Perth. And Woods yep. is the most expressive the English bowlers going around at the moment. Mm. Have you got anything else you'd like to add, guys? We haven't mentioned Gary Lyon's catch. Oh Just yeah, to, to give him props for that. That yeah. was an absolute stunt. Have we, you know, we went through <laughs> almost thirty-five minutes last week without mentioning Steve Smith's hundred. Um, sort of fixated on Marsh, kind of scrapping around for fifty in the background. We should um, maybe have a week where we don't talk about Sean Marsh. Can we agree to that next week? Maybe? Well, if he doesn't keep scoring match-saving half centuries and centuries, maybe we can, Michael. Uh, yeah, what a catch! That was phenomenal. Uh, that's one of the top five catches I think you'll ever see in, in a game of cricket. That was amazing. Top five catch for sure. Also top five interview after the game where he's interviewed <laughs> by Mark Nicholas and you can tell he just wants to get the crowd involved. He's like, best stadium in the world, best supporters in the world, and then there's not a ch- – nobody cares. Everybody's just like, get it. It's like one of those, you know, welcome to insert town name here moments. <laughs> Oh, Gary. Yeah, but he is the GOAT. And I, and there's, if anybody's had question marks over Nathan Lyon's performances in the past, they've, they've got to shut their filthy mouths right now because <laughs> he's in the form of his life. Absolutely. Leading wicket taker for the calendar year, um, still with a test match to play. And he's a bloody good bloke. Yeah, yep. he's a bloody good bloke. <laughs> he can um, get in contact for Mike for the reasons why he's a bloody good bloke later. Um, so, yeah, great catch. If you haven't seen it, look it up. But if you haven't seen it, you're probably not listening to this podcast. <laughs> so um, it's a bit of a paradox there. Uh, anything, anything else you'd like to add? No, I'm good. Yep. You got a prediction for the Perth test in a, in a, in one word? <laughs> one <Cricket>. word. <laughs> <laughs> Hot. <laughs> I don't have one word. Uh, Australia Australia is going to win. If you say that really quickly, yeah, Australia's going to win. There you go. Yeah. One word. No, any any wild predictions? Five days, four days, or three days. Two days. <laughs> you crazy. That, that you crazy. I'm going to, well, look, you know, it's, we're so far out, but I, I fear that we might end up with a bit of a road. We've had two really competitive test matches, good balance between bat and ball. Maybe we're due for a, a real flat road. Um, so maybe we're going to go five um, and maybe look for some big scores. Maybe we'll actually see Cook realise that 
that threat of just grinding out 200 runs and kind of burying Australia's chance of winning a Don't game. made me not want to watch that. <laughs> there's no way I want to watch England win Alice the toss, bat, Cook makes 100 off five days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're just making this test match sound like the worst thing ever. Look, I've been sleeping well lately. I need something and that's, that's going to do it. I need to actually do some work while I'm yeah. away, so a boring test would do the trick. Absolutely. All right. I think that's it. Um, so you've been listening to Silly Point. Uh, we're up on iTunes now, so give us a give us a like and give us a rating. Uh, it should be up on all podcatchers, whichever you use. Um, up on Facebook. Uh, so yeah, just please give us a review. It helps everybody find us. Boy, boy. See ya. Night. Mm-hmm. <laughs>